me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome back to another instalment of the Elemental Health Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Nick Quinton, and it is an honor to uh, bring you today's guest. Um, not too much waffle today because this gentleman needs very, very little in the way of introductions. Um, last year, 2020, um, saw him run 300 miles through northern Utah um, and a measly 500 miles through the Colorado uh, Trail, so all off, off-road kind of... Um, trail running over 500 miles an incredible challenge um not only that uh, and recently he's run 100 miles on zero calories so i have to think about that and say it again 100 miles on zero calories <laughs> quite incredible but one of the most humble guests i've ever had on the show it's an honor to have mike with us um he's an amazing ultra athlete uh, and his story is is pretty unique and um uh, quite uh, inspirational really he he wasn't um born a runner or anything like that and um he had some serious uh, surgery that, that you know told was never run never would never run again and we get into that in the story and it's just it's just interesting to see the transformation and the level that he's at now the the athletic endurance and performance that this guy's at and and all the tips and tricks and tactics that he utilizes which he's going to share with us on the podcast today so really excited um to bring mike on and introduce him and have a, a, an amazing chat with this really humble dude Mike McKnight, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Um, so we have got here an ultra runner and endurance behemoth, um, the low carb runner. I'm sure we're going to get to that. Um, this year alone, you have completed 4,200 miles, including 500 miles through the uh, Colorado mountains, um, making a film about all the incredible ultra uh, races that you've been up to. And... Um, not only that, you know, you've, you've been hauled to an emergency room with a shattered vertebrae, told you never walk a bit again, 15 months later, you're running an ultra marathon. So, you know, I'm so excited to bring my audience, bring you to my audience and have this conversation, Mike. And I know that we're going to get into all sorts of uh, really interesting topics and subjects. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, what are you up to the moment? What is going on with you? Um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's 10 a.m. in northern Utah right now. So... <clears throat> I've just been working a little bit, taking care of the kids, and then as soon as we're done with our podcast, going to go for a run. <laughs> nice, man. So um, it's, it's hard to know where to start with with, with, <laughs> with guys like you, man. So um, you know, let, let's let's kind of break it down um, and and kind of hear a little bit about your journey. So uh, you weren't always an ultra runner. You weren't born an ultra runner. Um, you know, and I just want to understand where this passion has come from to get out and and compete at, at quite high level and just 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 endure and, and go on these very long uh, expeditions and uh, you know where that passion's come from and, and kind of the journey for you to get there because I know you've had challenges along the way and and you know uh, I'm interested in in kind of the the, the journey yeah it's kind of, I mean it's kind of weird um it's weird. And then like for people who believe in coincidences, it's very coincidental. For those who don't believe in coincidences, it's like definitely been a part of my plan for a long time without me realizing it. <laughs> um, but I grew up on a dairy farm here in Northern Utah. So where, where me and my wife and kids live right now is about 15 minutes from where I grew up. Um, my parents are still out there. 
Uh, my dad hasn't lived in a different city, even a different house for his whole life, <laughs> aside from the house he grew up in. And he built a house like half a mile from his parents and he's lived there his whole life. So um, with that, there's a family dairy farm that I grew up on and I spent the majority of my time working on that. So basically because of that, and then having my schooling, I didn't have a lot of time to do anything, including physical activity. So I didn't grow up doing any kind of sports. <clears throat> I, I decided to give football a go when I was a, uh, a sophomore in high school. And just with that, our football coach required track if you were on the football team. So I did track, but um, I came in either second to last or last to all of my track races. Um, I didn't really enjoy track at all. <laughs> um, in in re retrospect, I don't know why I stuck with football because I wasn't good at it and I never played. <laughs> so I didn't really have a good relationship with physical activity at all, um, all throughout high school. And I distinctly remember a time when like my buddies, they were big mountain bikers and they talked me into going on a mountain bike ride with them. They let me borrow, like one of them had an older brother who biked. So I just borrowed the, his older brother's bike and we made it um, no more than a mile into this mountain bike ride when I convinced all of them to stop and told them all that if we went back, I would buy them all a steak dinner that night. <laughs> So I, I basically used food to bribe my friends to not go riding because I hated it so much. Um, so that's kind of what my relationship with physical activity was until I was about 21. Um, when I was 21, my sister was doing a half marathon and she challenged me to do it with her. And I don't really know why I decided that I would try it with her. Um, so I trained probably um, three to five miles a day. Um, that's about it. And I ended up doing just under an hour and a half at that half marathon, which was about 20 minutes faster than what my goal was. Um, I just wanted to do in the hour 50 to two hour range. So I, I thought that if I could do that without training too hard for it, that I might actually, for some reason or another, might be good at running. So I started training for, um, specifically to walk onto the track team at the college that I was attending. And no more than six months after I got into that training habit is when I broke my back. Um, and that we, we can get into that later if you want. But, but basically, like you said, I started running just a few weeks after surgery. And um, because I dropped out of my college classes and lost my job because I, I was told I'd be in bed for a long time. Um, I had nothing else to do. So I just started running a couple hours every day. And then I met somebody who was an ultra runner and he told me all about that world. And I gave it a go and just kind of fell in love with it. And here I am now. Oh, that's cool, man. So, but pres presumably you were, you were running against advice after surgery. Yeah. So, yeah. So I broke my back in February of 2012 and I had surgery the next day. Um, because I just started getting into training and was enjoying it, I asked my doctor when it would be that I could start running again. Um, so I never had the prognosis that I want to walk again. Um, he told me the way I, so my, it was my L1 vertebrae. I, I wrecked skiing and my vertebrae just completely burst. And so he said that if I just landed a little bit differently, 
So the, the vertebrae 100% burst away from my spinal column. He said if I landed a little bit differently, like if my back was folded a different way when I landed, then it would have burst toward my spinal column and that would have paralyzed me. So I was never told that I wouldn't be able to walk again, but he did tell me it would be at least a year before I should consider running again. Um, but, but three weeks later, I was feeling good enough to give it a go. <laughs> cool, man. That's a hell of a story. Um, and, and what, what, what spurs you on now in terms of your passion towards, um, health and sports? Sorry, ask that again. Sorry. What, what's, what spurs you forward now in terms of your passion to do what you do? What, you know, what, what's, what's, what's your driving force? So there's a few things. Um, the big one is that, you know, when I was in that position, when I broke my back, um, when I was told that I couldn't run for a year, when before, like, so I, I wrecked skiing about, I had about an hour ambulance ride from the ski resort to the hospital. And that whole time, like, I was just worried that I really messed myself up and that even though I knew I could move when I was in the ambulance, I still had that fear that some reason or another that paralysis might be an issue. So, you know, just that hour of worrying about that and then being told I couldn't run for a year, like just being in that situation where I was kind of put into an immobile state, I... I Fast forward to today, one of the reasons I ultra run is just because it's my way of being thankful for what I can do, what my body can do. Um, like if I can run a few hundred miles at a time as compared to being stuck in bed, then then obviously I'm going to do that. So just the fact that my body allows me to do it. And then, um, I don't know, I just, I, I, I like trying to figure out what's possible with my body and what's not possible. So um, like... <clears throat> I just think it's just the way my body's wired. Like, like I, I'm, I'm always moving. Like I, I don't sleep well at nights. Like my brain's always turning. So I get up and do stuff. Like I don't like sitting around and, and ultra running is just kind of a good way to take that to the extreme, I guess. So how do you, I mean, you, you're, you're suggesting that the type of person you are, you're always going to be kind of trying to push the boundaries and, and seeking more and more and more. But obviously, it's, it's a progressive process to build up to a 500 mile challenge, for example. How do you how do you build capability? Because I think a lot of people listening to this um, are, are in that maybe in that mindset of I don't want to run too much. It's going to be bad for me. Um, so how do you build that capability to go out and smash a couple of hundred miles? Um, yeah, I, I just think I think it's different for everybody. Um, I know there's a lot of people who have the approach where they like want to do a few 50 Ks, then once they're comfortable, move up to a few 50 milers, then a hundred like, and just kind of get used to that one distance before they go to the next. Um, and that's kind of how I started out. Uh, obviously, like I still like doing hundred mile races and stuff, anything under hundred miles, I'm not good at. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I'll ever do any 50 milers or 50 Ks moving forward. Um, hundred miles might be my, like my bottom threshold. Um, but just my buildup, like, you know, I did a couple, so I thought, so to take a back step, I thought the hundred mile distance was the furthest distance out there. And then in 2016, I learned about these 200 mile races. <clears throat> and then, so I started like trying to figure out what I needed to do to prepare for that. Um, so I did those 200 mile races and kept doing those. And then I learned about FKTs and how there's like 500 to thousands of miles that's out there. So the, the way I approach it is just like, 
you know, I just did the Colorado trail it was just under 500 miles. I know that's possible for me now. So now I'm looking into the Arizona trail and that's, that's 800 miles. So I, I just kind of have the approach where I do it. It worked. Now let's, let's see what distance is next and then move up to that. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> there'll be that many people listening that will, uh, will think I'm not, not, not bothered about doing hundred miles under hundred miles. Isn't worth my world, but that's funny, yeah. funny comment. man. <laughs> but- I mean, like, if, like, I'm just not good at like those, like, I, I'm, I'm the, the thing that I found that I'm, I do fairly good at is just going at a steady pace for a very long time. Like if you put me up against like Hayden Hawks or um, he's the only name I can think of right now, but like Zach Bitter, Hayden Hawks, all those guys that can like throw down sub six minute miles in a 50 mile race. Like, I just know there's no way I could ever do that. So, you know, I might do it occasionally for like a training type of thing to build up for a hundred mile race but you know if i'm not good at it i i, I don't really care to focus on it <laughs> okay so that might so, be a bad way to look at it <laughs> not well i don't think so i think it's perspective isn't it but um what's so when you go out to do these these challenges these events are you are you have you got the competitive mindset or are you doing it for another intrinsic reason like what's what, what's the motivation behind it are you are you, do you consider yourself an athlete competing against a field yeah, I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things like I'll train for my race as if I'm going to be competitive for it like I'll, I'll devise a training plan I'll stick to the training plan I'll eat very clean for me um, and just really prepare for that race in hopes to perform well but when the day comes, um, I've finally gotten to a point where I, I don't worry as much about the competition. I'm, I'm there. I focus on myself. I focus on what I need to do to get to the finish line. Um, so, so yeah, I'm competitive in the buildup. But once I get there, I just kind of flush everybody else out and just kind of focus and, and run according to, to how my body's feeling, really. And is it... Is if there weren't events for you to take part in, would you like this year? Presumably, there haven't been that many events taking place. So, it, would you still go out and do these challenges? Like, what? Where's the balance between competing to to to, to rank and and to take part in the events versus your own kind of intrinsic? Let's just go and run a hundred miles. Yeah. So this year's been interesting because I think there's a lot of runners here in this same boat where, you know, at least for me, I didn't really look into FKTs that much. Um, and then this year with the races being canceled, um, you know, unless you're just going to run every day and not really do anything, which is fine. Um, like really FK, FKT attempts were kind of the only option this year. One of the only options. Mike, you're going to have um, to break down what that is. FKT. FKT. So FKT is fastest known time. Um, there's a website called fastestknowntime.com and it has hundreds of trails throughout the world that people have gone and ran and then it has just like the times that people have ran it and they have the fastest time ran like listed at the top. So, you know, for the Colorado trail that I just did, um, Scott Jaime set the fastest no time in 2013, which was eight days and um, seven hours. So for the past like seven years, I spend the fastest known time on the Colorado Trail. So when I went out to do the, the Colorado Trail, I, I had the goal to, to beat that time. So that's kind of been the theme this year. There's been a lot of FKT attempts and a lot of FKTs set this year just because of COVID and races being canceled. So now that, like, now that that's been the focus, like 
I'm kind of in a spot personally where I don't really know what I'm going to do with racing anymore because I like the FKT setup over racing. Um, like it's just funner. Like you can pick the day that you do it. You can pick the time that you start. You can train for it as much as you need um, and then just go for it once you're ready. So I, I just, I like the FKT setup. So I don't know, like once races start coming back, we'll see. Like obviously like for, I, I want to do like those 200 mile races still. Um, I, I'm already planning on doing the Moab 200 next year, but like aside from a couple 200s, I think FKTs are going to be my big focus right now. Cool. Sounds good. And so I'm intrigued um, with the, uh, with the ultra ultra running scene um a lot of people come to to, to kind of sports and, and fitness to be part of the community i think on, on the outside it probably appears that it's quite an isolated quite a lonely event to take part in but how how does the community play a part in in what you do and, and your and kind of drive you forward in the and, and yeah yeah I, I love the community um like me and my wife kind of joke about it all the time so when i started ultra running i was 23 um, and at the time, like it was pretty uncommon to see somebody my age doing ultras. Um, I remember like when I first started doing ultras, I'd like look on ultrasignup.com and my age ranking was really high just because I was one of the only ones who was doing it at that age. <laughs> um, you know, fast forward today, seven years later, there's a lot of people who are in their low twenties who are doing it. Um, but because when I started, there wasn't like me and my wife joke about it. We're like, she's in her mid twenties. I just turned 30. Sorry. I guess I'm about to turn 31. This year went by fast, <laughs> but the majority of our friends are like mid forties because um, th those are the people that I started hanging out with when I was in college was ultra runners. So like most, the majority of my friends today are, are ultra runners, people that I met at races and people that I met just through the the community so the community aspect is pretty pretty big i i really enjoy the the friends i've made through it and look forward to seeing them at races and and all that so mm -hmm. community is huge in ultra running i think yeah and presumably when you when you're doing the challenges F, fkts um you, you you're creating your your own team and, and taking part yeah like um for instance i'm sure you've seen me post stories with him ben light yep so I met him in 2017 at the Bigfoot 200. Um, first time I ever met him and like, he just gave me a ton of advice. He'd done 200 mile distances before, and that was my first. Um, I ended up choosing to do the triple crown after Bigfoot, which was the three 200 mile races and destination trails series. Ben was already doing the triple crown. So when he found out, I decided to do it. He just kind of coached me through each race and we ended up running a lot of the races together. Um, and he lives about two hours from here. So when we found that out as well, we started running together and, um, you know, we just kind of clicked and <clears throat> like whenever I do something now, like any race I do, like when he found out I was going to go for the Colorado Trail FKT, he like called me like a minute later, almost after announcing it and was like, hey, I want to be your crew chief. And then he just kind of took care of everything for me in terms of preparing for it. Um, and then you know, vice versa. I, I try to crew him as much as I can too. Um, but he, he ends up doing it for me quite a bit more. <laughs> um, he's such a solid guy, but yeah, like, um, just like you, you kind of get your team and, um, also too, like with the Colorado trail, I had some people that I hadn't ever met before who reached out to me and offered to come crew and 
outpaced me for the Colorado trail. So that kind of goes back to just how awesome the ultra running community is that some people that I've never even met would volunteer a few days out of their week to come to Colorado and help me out. So just the whole community is pretty awesome. And even if you do have like your set team, there are those people that um, are willing to help anybody. Sounds awesome, man. Sounds awesome. I'm, I'm intrigued to, to know more about the mindset of what happens during, during an event. So I think, you know, every, everyone knows the reference of kind of David Goggins at the moment is quite high brow and uh, he's quite um, high line in terms of popularity. And I guess his, his externally, certainly his ethos is kind of bludgeon, um, put yourself in a hard situation and just face the challenge and, and kind of grind things out. When you're going out for a run, whether it be training or during an event, how, how do you balance kind of enjoyment versus grinding out the race? What, what, what's your blend and, and how, how does that manifest for you? Um, the majority of what I do, I enjoy. <laughs> um, like I hear... Like I have the mindset, if you don't enjoy it, then there's plenty of other ways to push yourself that you could enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like my brother-in-law, he's a mountain biker. Um, if he was to come running with me, he would totally hate it. If I was to go mountain biking with him, I would hate it as well. <laughs> um, even though I do mountain bike occasionally for cross training, but at his level, like there's no way I could keep up with him and he would just crush me. So like, if you don't enjoy it, then I think then maybe look into something else. Um, or just like give it a, just give it a few weeks because when you do start out running, it is kind of an unenjoyable process just because you're getting your body used to it. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, wait it out and see if you start to enjoy it. But if you've been trying it for months and you just don't enjoy it and then, you know, look into something else. (laughs) Um, but, but for me, I, I enjoy running. So the majority of time I, I enjoy my training runs. I enjoy the majority of, the races that I do, there are low moments, which you have to push through, but overall I enjoy it. Um, on days when I might not be feeling it, um, like, a, like I'm a little bit more tired or I'm a little bit more sore, I do a pretty good job at just kind of blocking everything out and just kind of zoning out and like getting through it. So I think an ultra runner's ability to zone out is very important especially as you start to get into those 100 mile races 200 mile races like you're out there for days at a time sometimes Mm -hmm. so you got to really be good at just kind of zoning out and and um not looking at your watch every mile um just just kind of i don't know the the mentality thing is sometimes hard for me to explain just because it's so different for everybody um but basically it always just comes down to learning to enjoy it and then when you're not enjoying it just zone out until you can start enjoying it again is yeah. kind of how i approach it i think that's i think that's good advice man and, and i i certainly don't coach in in the mindset of um doing something that people don't like and kind of bludgeoning something and, and just pushing yourself for hardship sake because i don't see there's any longevity in that do you know what i mean I just, yeah. yeah and with oh sorry as I say, with that, that you, you reminded me of something like if you usually enjoy it and then you kind of hit this spot where you're not enjoying it, like it's been a few weeks since you've enjoyed your last run. Like there's some, there, there's a person that I was coaching. Um, we're taking like a two month break right now and he's just kind of running for fun. But that's kind of what I feel somebody needs to do to start enjoying it again. Like if you, if you're, if you're not enjoying it and 
it, it could be because you're just so focused on getting better, getting faster, hitting that run and following the structure and the schedule where you just kind of, it becomes more of a chore and a task. So if, if you ever reach that point, I do think it's important to take a couple extra recovery days. And I use the word recovery day because I know there's people out there that have the no rest day approach. Um, that's fine, but you're going to burn yourself out most likely. So look at it as like a recovery day, um, not a rest day. Like recovery is a part of your training. So take a couple extra recovery days, run for fun, like lower the time a little bit if you need to mix it up with some cross training, but just kind of get back to doing it for fun and not necessarily following the structure. Mm. That's good advice, man. I'm sure there'll be lots, lots of people that would, could be intrigued by, by the, uh, by the way that you structure your training, et cetera. So let's dive into some of the nitty gritty of, of kind of how you set yourself up, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, your daily routines for training, running, et cetera. So, uh, your Instagram handle, the low carb runner. So what's, what's your ethos and mindset when it comes to nutrition or overarching? So I think it's different for everybody. Um, like I, I don't tell everybody like it works for me, so it's going to work for you. So try it. Um, <clears throat> it works for me. So I do it. Um, I think that overall though, like ultra runners are known for eating a lot, a lot of junk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like there's always the joke that an ultra run is just basically a, a catered, a, a buffet, a buffet run or like a run catered with a buffet or something like that. Like, like ultra runners love to eat. Um, I think that there's a lot. So I, when I, when I first started to take a back step, um, I had the mindset where I'm running so much every day. I'm running so much every week that I need calories. So I'm going to eat whatever I want. So like, I, like when me and my wife first got married and we laugh about it now, but like, I had like a little mini fridge in our bedroom and it was full of like three, 12 packs of Mountain Dew. (laughs) And I was probably drinking a can or two of Mountain Dew every single day, Um, had a bowl of ice cream every night when we were watching TV, like I was getting my calories, but they were terrible sources. And it was kind of interesting. I started to gain weight um, when I started ultra running just because my diet went down the drain um, just because I was eating so much junk. So I think that... um, before I really go into the low carb thing, I think ultra runners and just everybody in general, like whether you're vegan, low carb, vegetarian, paleo, um, fruitarian, whatever it is, like, I feel that the concept of eliminating processed food, um, eliminating foods with added sugars, like I feel like that's kind of a universal thing that people should look into. Um, Maybe not eliminating it 100%, like, you know, moderation is key but i think just like a whole foods approach is something that would be very beneficial for all runners to look into that that is just my opinion though i'm not a nutrition or a dietitian um and then for me with the whole low carb thing <coughs> sorry um with the whole low carb thing like like i said i, I started to gain weight um i started to run slower I I noticed that I would fall into this cycle where I would puke at races because I was eating too much, or I would lose a lot of energy because I would stop eating to try and stop puking. So I was was either puking or I either had no energy. 
And I just had this like year and a half period where I was just blowing up at all of my races. Um, and it started to frustrate me. So I was talking to, I met Jeff Browning and Zach Bitter, um, who are pretty iconic in the low carb world for runners, especially, um, told them my issues. And then they explained the whole keto low carb approach to me and basically explained that you teach your body to burn fat for fuel and glucose. So it's not like that. That's the thing that people get confused. It's not just a method to try and be a hundred percent fat burning. It's a method to be efficient at burning both fat and glucose. And so basically they just taught me that if you become fat adaptive, then theoretically, whenever you run out of um, carbohydrate glucose in your system, then your body can just naturally switch over to fat burning. And once it does that, you kind of become in a situation where you're basically um, bonk proof. I don't know if that's a term that do you use that term over yeah. there. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, you know, if you, if you become efficient at burning fat, then you can efficient effectively become bonk proof. So that made sense to me. So I just kind of dove into keto a day or two after they, they taught that style to me. Um, and it was a process, like I cheated a lot at first and, um, but I, I noticed the benefits when I wasn't cheating. So eventually I kind of got to the point where I became very strict with it. So you know, I've, I've been doing it for almost four years now. Uh, the first year to year and a half was when I was cheating a lot. So it's been about almost two years since I've been pretty strict with it. And it, it seems to work for my body. So I'm going to keep doing it. Cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. And I think, uh, yeah, bonk, bonking, I think, is, is a funny phrase over here because um, it does mean what you're referring to, which is um, you, you hit the wall, basically, and your yeah. glycogen stores are completely depleted and you're unable to do anything else and you're collapsing in a heap. <laughs> but uh, but it's, a, it's, a, it's quite an old-fashioned uh, slang term for having sex as well. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, but bonking. Bonk proof. Yeah, I wonder what that would mean, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an interesting approach, and I think uh, what what stands out to me is is um, uh, is the fact that I like the that you know you you've taken a very intuitive approach to something, and you've been willing to test it out and try it over a longer period of time. I think people are, are, are kind of so quick just to jump on jump from bandwagon bandwagon I can't get words out bandwagon to bandwagon. Um, when it comes to kind of a dogmatic approach to nutrition without really understanding why they're doing it and what might work for them and then pursuing a, a kind of intuitive experimental phase. And you could, I mean, you could transfer that to any aspect of your life, I guess really is about exploring what, what, how to do something differently and, and that process in itself. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's, 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 it's an interesting, the way that you, you, you describe your journey and then, you know, the period of time that you tried it for, which I think a lot of people, you know, they just want kind of like, oh, I've been vegan for two weeks. I'm not seeing any results. <laughs> yeah, that's not enough time. <laughs> nah, absolutely not, man. So that's that's cool. And um, so, do you fuel? Do you on on the on when you're on the trail and when you're out running? Are you fueling low carb as well during the event, or just in in, in like in your normal daily life? How does it work when you're? Yeah, so it depends on the event. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't. I can't remember when you first reached out to me, but I did that zero calorie 100 earlier this year um, where I just wanted to see if it was possible to run hundred miles without intaking any calories. So when I was training for that, I was doing a lot of my runs fasted and I still do a lot of my runs fasted just because like 
my stomach, like I, I never have any issues. I never have any digestive issues when I run fasted. Um, occasionally I'll run into them when I'm still doing keto. It's very, very like occasional. It doesn't happen often, but like, I never have stomach issues when I do my runs fasted. So I do a lot of my long runs fasted. Um, when I'm racing, it kind of depends on the distance, what my approach is to nutrition, the shorter, like 50 K's to 50 miles. And depending on the course, hundred miles, um, I'll do a little bit more carbs than usual. Um, which is still going to be lower to somebody who's a little bit more carb dependent, but I'm probably getting, um, 30 to 40 grams of carbs an hour for those shorter distances. Um, and then a, on a calorie basis, I'm probably getting 200 calories per hour. Um, sometimes as low as a hundred, but for like a 200 mile distance and above, um, you're going at such a low pace for those races that, um, because like the science behind it, like there's this, there's this heart rate range and it's different for each person, um, depending on your age and, and all that. But like, there's this heart rate range where if you're sticking in that range, you're going to be primarily burning fat. So when you're doing these 200 mile races and 500 mile, um, FKT attempts, you're going at such a lower speed that you're most likely going to be in that range. Um, so when I'm doing those distances, I tend to stick more towards just calories in general and not really focusing on getting carbs in my body since I'm most likely burning fat anyways. So basically the longer the distance, the less carbs I'm doing. And then the shorter the distance and the quicker the, the distance, the more, more carbs I'm doing. And that, and for me, that's typically like, like Jeff Browning, like I said, Jeff Browning, he's a low carb athlete. Um, he is sponsored by goo and he takes goo. Sorry if you heard that. <laughs> um, my dog's freaking out. Um, so he'll still take goo, but, um, me personally, like goo doesn't really jive with my stomach. And so I tend to stick to a lot more fruit, uh, based foods when I'm running. So I, I take those applesauce packets with me. I have fruit leather, fruit leather with me. Um, if it's a race where my wife is crewing me, then I'll have smoothies. Um, fruit seems to work really well with me. So, um, yeah, the, most of my sources are coming from fruits when I'm doing my races. Cool. And um, so, so break break down the thinking. So that's interesting what you say about the science. So what you're saying is is if your heart rate is within a certain range, that, that that's the right range for you, you're going to be burning predominantly fat so actually it makes sense to to run in a fat burning mode uh for these long distances yeah yeah and i mean even if it like most people will end up naturally running at that speed um just because a lot of people take the approach where they have to go slower um to get to the finish line like you know you have somebody like jim walmsley who can do like western states in 14 hours like that's wicked fast so he's most likely out of that heart rate range where he's doing a lot of glucose, a lot of glycogen burning. Um, obviously I haven't like, I haven't looked into his metrics, what his heart rate is and stuff like that, but I'm guessing that he's going at a speed where he's relying on carbohydrates for people like me, who's going to go a little bit slower, a lot of bit slower than 14 hours for a hundred mile race. Like I'm most likely going to be in that range regardless. Um, 
to, to get myself to the finish line. So I feel like a lot of runners are kind of hovering in that range and they don't even realize it. Um, I don't know. Have you heard of the, have you heard of Phil Maffetone? Uh, no. So Phil Maffetone has this like, um, there's this like equation. It's, um, it's 180 minus your age. Mm-hmm. And then plus five, if you haven't been injured for a couple of years, plus another five, if you haven't been injured for like five years. And so that, that number that you get, that's what's called your aerobic ceiling um, number. So for me, um, that number is 155. So 155 is theoretically my aerobic ceiling, where if I get my heart beat above that, then I'm most likely going to be in an anaerobic state where I'm going to be benefic- benefiting off of, off of simple carbohydrates more to get me. Um, I'm rarely ever above 155. Um, like take the Colorado Trail, for example. I think my average heart rate was like 135. So it was quite a bit under that, that threshold. Um, and so just like if you were to Google like fat burning heart rate zones, like it would give you like standard answers. And like the standard answer for my heart rate range is like, you know, 135 is about what I'm going to be at for, for, for prime fat burning. You're, you're never going to know the exact number unless you get your VO2 max tested, your heart rate max tested and, and all that stuff. But if you're looking for a generic number, like you can just Google that and find it out and and for me, like, you know, 130 is just kind of that, that area where I'm going to be burning fat for the majority of the time. And that's kind of what my heart rate is at for the majority of my races that I do. So I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> no, it's, that, that's, that's really interesting. And, and it's, 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 it's a science I'm not, I'm not that familiar with, to be honest. Um, I'm not, I'm not an endurance athlete. So, and none of my guys are, to be honest with you, <laughs> we're very much in the amateur space. So it's just really interesting to hear the, how you break it down and that, that I, I wasn't aware of what you're talking about, which is, which is always, you know, why I love doing these, having these conversations because it's eye opening for me. So um, about that fat burning zone and, and just staying in it, I think in, you know, if I look back into to my past and, and most people's kind of rudimentary upbringing and understanding around carbohydrates, everyone would think, you know, and even the the analogy that you you reference, which is, you know, this this, you know, when you're doing ultra, it's it's not a running race, it's an eating race, um, and it's an eating competition. But so a lot of people, I think myself included, uh, without any kind of understanding would think he must be taking on a huge number of carbohydrates huge number of calories because you know just burning fuel and when you look into it and this, the bits that you just talked about it's it is there's a lot more nuance to it like there is with everything there's a lot more nuance to it and it's it's really interesting to see that 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 fat burning zone which I, a lot of people i think aren't thinking about even uh, you know we're not talking about ultra when we think about you know joe blogs going out for a 5k 10k do you know what i mean yeah i think it's funny because um the the keto and the low carb thing is so like there so many runners are so against it um still <laughs> like <clears throat> i'm in the trail and ultra running facebook group right now um i don't know if you're a part of that or not uh, i don't think it's a group i'm i'm in no okay um i've left that group a couple of times and come back <laughs> but usually when i leave that group is just because i'm getting so sick and tired of like everybody that's saying keto is not efficient for any runner, um, which is complete opposite of how I view things. Like I'm very much aware that different things work for different people. And I just wish everybody would have that mindset. So when I see so many people just saying that keto doesn't work, don't try it, don't try it, don't try it. Like it just really bothers me. And I just know that I'm going to be getting in 
debates all day if I just don't leave that group on Facebook. <laughs> um, so I think it's so funny that people are so against it because most likely um, <clears throat> those runners are getting into ketosis when they're doing these long ultra races because there's a good chance their heart rate is in that range. Um, and when you put yourself in a physical, like when you put yourself into a physically active state and you're most likely calorie depleted, um, most runners are in a calorie depleted state when they're doing ultras. Like even if you're getting a couple hundred cal calories per hour, you're most likely burning a couple times higher than that with your physical activity level. So when you put yourself in that state in a calorie deficit, physical activity, in that heart rate range as well, there's a good chance your body's going into ketosis and you don't even know it. Um, and the point, like to give an example, like marathoners sometimes are even in that situation because you hear so often the story of people who say they did their marathon, they did so good until about mile 17, they hit a wall, they had no energy. And then like four miles to the finish, they somehow clicked and were able to finish strong. What happened was their body depleted the glycogen storage. It had a few miles where it just felt like it was starving because it hardly ever gets into a fat burning state. And then when they bounce back and run strong to the finish, their body figured out that it had a huge, massive storage of fat to use for fuel, started burning that fat, and then they got their second wind and got to the finish. So most runners are most likely experiencing ketosis during ultra races without even realizing it. So I've always thought it was funny that people are so against it when they're most likely utilizing it mm. um, without realizing it. Yeah, that's a, that's a yes, very, very good commentary there. I, I think, and I've been, I've been that guy, uh, my first marathon in London, um, 2007, 2008, long time ago now, it seems like. Um, I did exactly that, hit mile 18, kind of completely what I'd consider bonked out almost, uh, <laughs> managed to keep it together for a couple of miles. And then, you know, last couple of miles, obviously I was exactly what you described. You get your second wind and you push through. So it is, it's interesting to hear, you know, that reference of what's going on in terms of your fuel systems, fuel supplies. And this is way before I had any kind of understanding about nutrition or any of that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's good to hear that. Um, okay. Uh, switching for a little bit then. So um, I'd like to know kind of what you, what you get up to in terms of it, uh, managing injuries and recovery in in in, in your uh, your because it, it appears certainly from following you, Mike, that you are constantly out on the trail doing long long runs. So obviously that's taking its toll. I'm interested in in kind of what injuries crop up for you, how you manage those, and what you do in terms of recovery to ensure that you can go out and and continue to do the the long distance running. Yeah, so I guess this is a good segue out of it. <clears throat> um, I'll finish talking about nutrition by saying that I feel like my nutrition is one of the big reasons I've been able to recover so well. Um, a big focus on the low-carb approach is to eliminate foods that cause inflammation. Uh, inflammation slows down recovery. And so I have noticed, and this is one of the big reasons I've stuck with keto and low-carb, is I've noticed that my recovery is a lot quicker and I'm, a lot, I'm, I'm injured a lot less ever since taking this approach. Um, and running is important to me, the longevity of it's important to me. So obviously if I'm recovering quicker and not getting injured, then, then I'm gonna stick with low carb. So low carb, um, eliminating high inflammatory causing foods has been a big thing for me. And then the other thing is strength training. Um, I'm a huge believer and advocate for strength training for runners. Um, 
<clears throat> to, to share a story with that in 2017, when I did the triple crown of two hundreds, um, I wasn't strength training and that was also, so it's kind of a two in one. That was also when I first started keto, but I was cheating a lot. So in between the triple crown. So to give another backstory on the triple crown, like I said, it's those three 200 mile races that destination trail puts on mm-hmm. in terms of time for time frame, you have one 200 in August, one 200 in September, and then one in October. So you're doing three 200 mile races in the span of about 60 days. Um, in 2017, I didn't run once between those races. And then after the first 200, so the second 200 and the third 200, I went into those two 200s um, basically injured. Like, like I, I was having some nicks and pains that I couldn't quite resolve before I started. Um, at Tahoe, I probably walked, I probably walked 120 miles of the 200 miles just because I had some severe IT band issues. And then at the Moab 200, I had to walk the final. 40 miles because I had some shin issues. So 2017 didn't run in between the races, had had issues at the actual races. My nutrition wasn't good and I wasn't strength training. Um, it was about six months after that, that I started to be very strict with my nutrition and then I started to strength train. So fast forward to to last year, 2019, I had been eating clean for about a year and a couple months. I had been strength training for a year and a couple months. I did the triple crown again. And this time, um, I probably took about five days off after each race. And then I was able to start running again. So I was running pretty consistently in between the races. I went into the races feeling good. I was I, like, I was fatigued, obviously, mentally fatigued, and just my body felt tired. But had no issues, no IT band pain, nothing to slow me down. Aside from like some steep uphill sections, I, I ran the majority of all of those races. Um, just had no issues. I was able to start running again fairly quickly after all three of them were done. And so the difference between those two years was night and day. And I attribute that to being very clean with my nutrition and strength training consistently each week. Amen. Amen to that, man. I think, and, uh, you know, before I don't want to get my soapbox out too much, but, but what you touched on there, uh, nutrition is, is at the key of, of, of health full stop, I would say. And that point you made about, uh, inflammation. So it, it, for me, you know, I've been in clinical practice for nine years now, inflammation is the cause of ill health. Like, yeah. you know, people talk about viruses, very common term at the moment, disease, all these things, uh, bacteria, you know, ultimately it's how your body responds and that inflammatory uh, response that makes people severely unwell. So if you're able to manage inflammation within the body, you, 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 you know, that is, that is the solution to, you know, most illnesses out there. I'm sure there's, yeah. you know, someone, someone will come back with some rare uh, conditions where inflammation is not at the core, but <laughs> my, my practice for sure is, you know, if you, if you can manage inflammation within the body, um, through good nutrition, then you, you're going to be a healthy being for sure. Yeah. And I know that there's like contrary studies out there on what foods are inflammatory. Um, I have a lot of people that like tell me that, you know, show me studies that say that red meat is inflammatory. Um, <clears throat> you know, that might be like a base by base thing. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I've noticed so there's studies that say red meat's inflammatory and there's studies that say gluten is inflammatory. 
I obviously take the red meat as not inflammatory approach and that gluten is. And just in my personal experience over the past four years, I've noticed that when I'm like primarily eating red meat with a little bit of green veggies and a little bit of berries as well, like my inflammation levels are essentially nothing. Whenever I have tried gluten in these four years, my inflammatory response is almost instantaneously and like it, it affects me very poorly. So you're, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It might be different on each, each person on an individual level and you might have to experiment with that. But for me, like gluten is very inflammatory. So I, I avoid that a hundred percent of the time. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I feel the same as you in terms of those food types. Um, but my, my view is, 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 is one of, you know, I, I would have got behind a science paper in the past and said, no, this is, this is backed by science. You know, I've, I've moved away from that standpoint because I think that that promotes a dogmatic view and yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to be of that ethos really of, of any dogmas around, certainly around nutrition or anything really. But, um, but I think, um, I think Paul Saladino has has done some really interesting work, and and his commentary, you know, I, I can I can try and parrot around, you know, what from an evolutionary standpoint makes sense, you know, where have we come from in terms of our animal uh, past and our, our our evolution, and and what uh, what is opposed to that, and what has come from the mass farming you know and and the these yeah. um highly modified plants that we then ground up mixed with chemicals and and serve up and you know what what so I, I guess the point i'm making is what feels more innately beneficial and then what are you willing to try and then you know try and marry those two things together uh, you know i've certainly been down the rabbit hole of of kind of science is telling us x y and z and i think we're so caught up in that at the moment so so i i, I don't tend to uh subscribe to like a scientific standpoint although it might sound a bit counterintuitive i think uh, i i'm much i'm much of the opinion sounds like you are of, of you, you've got to try it for yourself yeah. and understand what makes sense to you and what your yeah. narrative is around that and it is going to be different um i'm sure there are lots of things that we could debate on on here and and you know bring a vegan in and, and I've interviewed vegans on, on my podcast and, 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 you know, that they've obviously got their understanding and their fundamental views and, and everyone's coming at things from slightly different angle, which I completely respect. Um, and it, it, you know, it's, it's up to the individual to try. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, um, I haven't coached anyone who hasn't benefited from, uh, you know, uh, uh, increasing the fasting window, um, and reducing carbohydrates or, or carb backloading towards towards the end of the day, you know, and and reducing that inflammation down in their body, um, measured or not, just how they feel, um, and and it's been a few years now that I've been at this. So that's awesome. So you take a fasting approach too? You do fasting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm on that note then. So let's let's jump back to you getting up and running a hundred miles on zero calories. So where where did that idea spawn from and, and how, how did you feel? Um, so the idea spawned from, have you, have you heard of doctors, Jeff Volick and Stephen Finney? Uh, Volick, I think. Yeah. Volick. So I remember when I like first started low carb, I, Zach Bitter recommended that I look into his lectures. And I remember he a couple of times made the comment that like every single person out there, even the thinnest of thinnest of people, 
um, has enough fat storage in their bodies to, to last them for a few days. Um, and he was referring to like a sedentary standpoint. So when I heard that, I've always like wondered, how does that correlate to um, a physical, like physical activity? How does that correlate to that? Like if I'm running, how long can I go without eating any calories? Um, so he kind of like <clears throat> um, unintendedly put that idea into my head when I first started low carb. And until COVID happened, I've never really considered, like I, I've done, like I said, like ever since going low carb, I've done the majority of my runs fasted just because I've had no GI issues when I do those runs. And so when COVID happened and races were canceled, um, I was out doing a 50K training run and I didn't intake any calories. And I decided to like really push myself. It was, it was a hilly course. Um, I ended up doing it like a just under nine minute pace for the whole thing, um, which I know isn't like wicked fast, but for like not consuming any calories, it was one of my faster runs. And so when I did that, I was like, okay, like 50K went pretty fast. Um, I wonder if a hundred miles is possible if I slow it down a bit. So, so I, I asked that question in February of this year of 2020. And then um, in late March decided just to go for it. So picked a date in um, early May that I would go for it and, and went for it. And I felt amazing during the whole thing. Like um, I, I, I could have kept going if I wanted to. Uh, I, I designed this looped course that started at my front door and it ended at my front door. It was just one big hundred mile loop. Um, so I, I did it in just under 19 hours. So I, I felt like <clears throat> obviously like a switch could have happened in any minute, but I felt like at the moment when I quit that I could have gone to 24 hours at that pace. So um, yeah, I felt, I felt pretty good doing it. Um, and ever since then, I've been kind of a huge fan of fasting um, intermittent fasting is a huge thing for the keto world. And until I started training for this fasted 100, I never implemented intermittent fasting. And then in my training for it, I started to monkey with it just to get my body used to being in a fasted state. And so ever since my training for it and finishing that, I've been like a huge fan of fasting. Like it, it helps me feel recovered. So I, I try to do some kind of fasting every week up to this point as well. And are you aware of any studies where they've where they've um, they've sort of tested runners on in a fasted state over over a prolonged period like like the race that like the, the run that you did? Um, I know of I haven't looked at it for years, but there's something called the Faster Study. Um, I don't remember the whole metrics of that. Are you looking it up right now? Uh, no, I'm just making a note to look it up later. <laughs> okay. Um, I know that Jeff Browning was participated in that and it was actually put on by Dr. Jeff Bullock. Um, it's been so long since I've looked at it, but it was a study on more of keto athletes. I can't remember if fasting was implemented or not. Um, so to answer your question, I'm not hundred percent sure if there's any studies out there that talk about that. Interesting. Yes. And it's, 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 it's interesting to me um, what happens to the body you know when when we just go for runs when there's not no food being taken in and did when you did your 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 100 miles did you kind of eat a meal and start running or yep basically? so i started my run at 6 a.m and then i ate breakfast at like 5 15 cool 
and then yeah, and that was it. bacon and eggs, a little bit of coconut oil, and then just for kicks, um, just in case I used some glycogen, I had an orange too. <laughs> Quality. Mike, yeah. we, we, we are rapidly running out of time and I've, I've still got loads of things that I'd love to pick your brain on. Um, we'll have to do a round two. I'm intrigued and I love the, the granularity and the level of, de- level of detail because that's always a feedback from, from my podcast is they always want to know more about uh, the, the, the experts and the, the specialists that I, that I get on. So, um, uh, you know... You, you, from my understanding of what's going on on your social media, you're, you, you've got a big presence on Instagram and that is where people can find you. And um, so tell us a bit about how we can interact with you, it, what your specialism is in terms of coaching and the kind of people that, uh, that you can help. Um, but also I'm intrigued by this broken to breaking film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of the film, that's a film that um, my buddy Matt Van Horn he lives here in Utah. He's a trail runner and he's also, he's a filmographer. Um, he's trying to like get a little bit more known for his work. So when he found out I was doing the Colorado trail, he approached me and gave me a killer offer to make a video on it. So I accepted and that's what this video is going to be. Um, he originally told me 20 minutes, but I think it's going to be a little bit over 30 minutes um, just because he got so much content and he's having a hard time narrowing it down. He, he's supposed to be sending me like a, um, a, a rough draft of it this weekend to go through and so I can give him feedback, but we're hoping that that will be released in the next two weeks. But yeah, it's just on the Colorado trail. It's called broken to breaking just because it's going to focus on how I had a little bit of like overweight and depression issues in high school and then breaking my back and then to breaking the Colorado trail. So that's kind of where the title comes from. Um, and then people can interact with me on Instagram, the low carb runner. And then I have a website that I just started a couple months ago. That's low carb dash runner.com. Um, in terms of coaching, uh, most of the people, like I'd probably say only 10% of the people I coach right now are interested in keto OFM. Um, and OFM is optimized fat metabolism. It's kind of like a strategic keto approach, like doing keto strategically in your training. So not everybody has to be interested in low carb that I coach. Um, The majority of what I do is just like running and strength training focused. um, And that could be anywhere from 50 Ks to 200 milers. So just running in general is really what I'm coaching on and the strength training aspect of it what's what's yeah that's awesome man and uh, i'd encourage anyone to get in touch and, and start following mike for sure um the film sounds really interesting i'm i'm, I'm itching to and uh, to, to see what that's about and and um uh your experience of the colorado trail as well uh so for people listening that'd be early early january 2021 i'm guessing the release yeah that or just shortly after christmas cool 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 yeah. um just to finish off mike uh what's 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 driving you forward now what's 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 the future hold if i feel like you've accomplished a lot in in your in your few years 31 years young man what's 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 next um so i'm gonna try something new in spring of next year um something that there's a high variability that i'm going to fail (laughs) um but i'm I'm gonna try and go for the 48 hour world record on a treadmill um i I hate the treadmill a lot, but where I'm at right now in, in Northern Utah, the, 
you either need to get into road running, backcountry skiing, or treadmill running because there's mm-hmm. so much snow. Um, so, you know, I, I do all of that. I backcountry ski, I road run, but I also do treadmill running as well, just because some mornings it's below zero degrees Fahrenheit. So it's pretty cold. Yeah. So I figured just since I'm going to be doing more treadmill running this winter that I might as well try and make something of it and go for something with that before I start doing trail running again. So I'll probably, I'll go for that in late March, early April. And then once the trails start to dry out, I'm going to start preparing for um, an Arizona trail FKT attempt. Um, and my buddy Ben Light actually pitched this idea that I think is awesome, but he wants to start on one end of the Arizona trail and then he wants me to start on the other end. And then we both go for the FKT in that direction um, and then pass each other somewhere in the middle and then keep going <laughs> to the finish. So kind of a race in itself, but also we're both going to go for an FKT. And then just the Moab 200 in October is kind of all I have set so far for next year. Cool. Awesome, man. Mike's been awesome chatting to you. Uh, you're a massively understated uh, guy, given given uh, all the uh, amazing feats that you've you've achieved. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like 2020 has been an awesome year for you in terms of what you've been able to achieve. Um, and and I think you've made them. You've, you you've certainly gone out there and and still you know pushed through all the psychological barriers that we're all facing at the moment to to continue to to follow your passion and do the things that are important to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a good year just to go out and do whatever. <laughs> there we go. Pretty amazing stuff, eh? Um, I, I'm so inspired by the way Mike uh, approaches his uh, athletic endeavours and his, his kind of uh, appetite for life, really. And, and I was just so impressed that, you know, given what's gone on in 2020 for everyone in the world, really, the, the amazing things that he's been able to do, the way that he's adapted his sport and he's really thought outside the box and just gone for it and just just made it work for him and, and had the most um the probably the most impactful year in, in his athletic performance as he states um and, and that blew me away to be honest on this episode so it was really honored to have uh, mike on board and, and chat to him hopefully we'll get him back and find out what he's been up to in 2021 um the film uh, as of mid-january when i'm producing this is not out yet it, I, he has spoken to mike and he is going to release it very very soon um in terms of mike please stay in touch with him and start following him and uh, see what he's up to he's a regular updater on instagram he is at the low carb runner so it's at the low carb runner on instagram that's the best way to kind of get in touch with mike if you're interested in coaching or if you just want to kind of be inspired and see what 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 crazy stuff he's been up to and also to hear about the film that's coming out very very soon Uh, it sounds really awesome given the the landscape the environment that he's been in and and the uh, amazing endurance that he's been up to um that's enough for me guys for this episode it's great to have you listening thank you very much for listening all the way through that's always a pleasure and an honor to, to deliver these amazing people and this amazing information to you i hope that it's impacting you and changing your life uh, please subscribe comment but most importantly uh, share with someone you care about i will see you on the next episode lots in store in 2021 take care